extremely deflating. I've experienced it five times, and each time I lost to a biological male. And the fact that that's still happening, that women are still losing to biological males in their own sport, shows why we need more female athletes to speak up about this. And so I just kind of want to say to the female athletes in Pennsylvania, don't let anyone silence you. Well, there is a teammate of the swimmer, the trans swimmer, who is just, uh, what, coming out 30 seconds ahead of uh, all the rest of the pack and um, creating quite a flap and, again, pointing out the the absurd place we find ourselves in here at the end of a uh, <laughs> a crazy year, a crazy couple of years. And I'm really pleased to introduce Kara Dansky, author of uh, the new book, The Abolition of Sex, a feminist who has a problem with transgender. Hey, I saw you on the Fox News Network, Kara, and I just had to have you on. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Good morning. So I think a lot of us scratch our heads and say, how in in a time when America hears about equality, equity, equality, equity, over and over again, how in the world can anyone on the pro-trans uh, side of the fence, be thinking that there's something equal about a biologic male competing in a female uh, on a female team or in a female event. I, I, I. It seems like a twilight zone uh, type of construct to me. You? Well, that's quite sane to think that it's a twilight zone type construct because that's the kind of times we're living in. You know, I just want to say I went to law school at the University of Pennsylvania and I'm just appalled at what's going on. But we can't treat the UPenn situation as an isolated event. This is actually happening across the country. And and just before I forget, I want to flag in, in your question, you said something about a trans swimmer. And one thing I really want to encourage all Americans to think about is why we're even using that language. Leah Thomas is a man, and we shouldn't be afraid to just say that. He's not a trans swimmer. He's a male swimmer. And I think that's that's a point that you hammer and hammer and hammer on. And it's so I think I, maybe I'm I'm now guilty of just being uh, <laughs> being whipped into submission by the politically correct rhetoric of the day. And I guess that's your big appeal. Let's call it what it is. Right. I mean, this uh, this is a you don't call a, a honeybee a monarch butterfly, even though the honeybee may identify as a monarch and land on some of the, <laughs> the same flowers. Right. Yeah, I mean, thanks a lot for that. It, it's true. You know, we have all been very, um, we all feel compelled to use language that goes along with this, even if we don't agree with it. That's how powerful this movement has become. It's persuaded people like yourself and probably many of your listeners to use language with which you fundamentally disagree. I mean, one thing I, I try to get across is all of us are either female or we're male. Transgender is just a made-up term. I have a friend who investigates this a lot, and her recent push is to understand the word transgender is a brand. It's selling a product. That's its purpose. Mm. And if we're going to be able to beat this thing, we have to stop using the language of our opponents. Yeah. Well, now, I'm sure that the pushback that you must have received, and, and I see it on your Twitter, I see it elsewhere, the pushback you get uh, as being, it, it verges on accusing you of hate speech by, by rejecting the reality of the, the T-word movement, right? And And on the other hand, it appears to me, if you look at just the evolution in terms of the numbers uh, of people that claim to, to be of, of that persuasion, it, it almost feels like a 
a cult, doesn't it? And cults yeah. are are usually born out of some kind of mass psycho- psychological hysteria, and not out of reality. But but it it does have a cult like a uh, 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 framework, doesn't it? Or am I overstating yeah. it? You're not overstating it in the least. It absolutely has a cult-like feeling to it. And this is a complete takeover of, of all of society. When, when ordinary human beings who know how babies are made can be persuaded to use language with which they fundamentally disagree, we're dealing with something really powerful. And so I just, I really want to emphasize that we have been made to believe that there is some coherent category of people who are called transgender, that this is a bottom-up civil rights movement. That's not what's happening. It's a very top-down, very heavily funded movement to persuade all of Americans that there's some coherent category of people who are not either female or male. It's not true. It's all based in lies. So you're not exaggerating in the slightest. You know, and what troubles me as a as an OBGYN for well, gosh, the last thirty three years—that's after training. Um, I, I it troubles me because the whole the whole um, differentiation distinction between the clearly different biological, psychological, sociological, and I'm talking about proper sociological. Um, differences between men and women and in terms of the types of things that they excel in they're just different beings it, i i feel sorry for for women who now have to for instance that we, we we played the cut at the top of the segment here i mean how deflating for for these teammates who have who are striving and striving and 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 even opponents, I mean, everyone on the, in the competition who are just giving it their all and trying to be scholars at the same time as athletes, it's like, I would think I would just be led to resignation. Um, I don't know. I've always elevated women for all that they are and the greatness they bring to humanity. And now uh, it seems to be diminishing that, uh, that essence. Uh, you see what I'm getting at there? It, does it make sense? I mean, I would probably disagree with you on a lot of things that that you might think that make women uniquely women psychologically or sociologically. I, I, I tend to think that those are gender roles or sex-based stereotypes, and, and I'm very interested in, in attacking those as much as I'm interested in attacking so-called gender identity. But, yes, part of the reason that we have Title IX is to remedy hundreds of years of discrimination against women and girls in the educational arena, and we're seeing it all disintegrate before our eyes. Yeah. Well, but now, I, you know, I, uh, one of my favorite people I like to listen to, and maybe he's not one of your favorites, I don't know, we ought to talk about it, is Jordan Peterson. And Jordan likes to point out that, I mean, currently women are doing great. They're, they outnumber men by, well, it's not an order of magnitude, but it's a, it's, a, it's a pretty good percentage in graduate education. I think a lot of those inequalities have been not only uh, rectified, but, but probably, uh, you know, the seesaw is in the other direction now. But I maintain it's because women are more talented at certain things than men are, right? They may not have the physical strength, but... I can tell you, um, I, I I need so much help from the people around me, and in being in healthcare, most of them are women, and they're I don't know my wife. All the women in my life I know are much much better at multitasking, and I mean that in all the right sense, staying focused on five or six or ten different things at once. And I'm lucky if I can do one. I may do that very well, but I mean, you know. So I I don't want you to think that I'm in any way, shape, or form stereotyping. I think it's it's a reality in my world. 
I, I don't know. Aren't there biologic differences in the way we behave, the way we're wired? Neurochemistry and neurobiology tells us that. Uh, I mean, I, I would take exception to that and, and say that, in fact, no, there aren't differences in terms of those kinds of things. Or if there are, they are socially conditioned. Um, mm. But there are biological differences between men and women. And I also think that you're right about the statistics about success in college and on uh, on exams mm. and things like that. But I want to just quickly get back to what you said about being an OBGYN, because probably a lot of listeners don't know that under current federal administrative law, if a, if a woman is seeking gynecological care at a, at a facility funded under the Affordable Care Act, if she demands a female health care provider and the facility provides a male health care provider who, quote, unquote, identifies as a woman, there's nothing a woman can do about that. Now, I get that you really? are a former OBGYN and you're a man, but there are some women who just really want to have female health care providers and they should be able to get them if they want to, but they can't do it under today's gender identity regime. Yeah, you know, there are some women that uh, would prefer to have a male health care provider. Did you know that? No. <laughs> it's true, Kara. I'm telling you. See, you just learned something, a revelation this morning. It's absolutely true. Even though we are going the way of the dodo bird in my profession, but that's okay. I mean, you know, times change. Hey, but I did want to thank you for your strident um, opposition to this cult that has really ruined so many. And, and what worries me is young children being... I would say uh, not not uh, encouraged is probably an understatement in certain precincts in certain school districts. There seems to be activist people on 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 the uh, the, the so called I'll put it in air finger quotes trans side of the fence that are actually encouraging not just validating people that may have different feelings but young impressionable children who are still being wired. Uh, that somehow this is the favored way to go. I mean, I had some sound. I didn't wasn't able to pull it, but sound from uh, one school board meeting where I think it's out in California recently, where parents were not even aware that this club, this uh, you know, this uh, and it had some kind of a fluffy name that was really veiled for a for a, a you know promotion of this lifestyle um, to the child. And before they know it, the the kid now has claimed that they want to switch and get all the kind of operations and. And hormone, you know, altering medicines. And I just, this to me seems to be child abuse at some level. Uh, well, how do you feel about that? Well, and hats off to my friend Abigail Schreier, who exposed that story that you're talking about in California. It's absolutely true. Um, but but let, let listeners not think that it's isolated to California. This is happening all across the country. Children are being indoctrinated. And also, I mean, it's even worse than than that. I mean, it's true that children are being encouraged to think that they might be the opposite sex. But even the children who are not being encouraged to think that are being indoctrinated to think that biological sex doesn't exist. This this is only going to get worse in part because of the problem that you're naming. The, the lying and the indoctrination of children in our elementary schools. I also just want to make very clear, because listeners may not know, there are countless Democrats of which I am one, all across the country who are absolutely furious about what's going on here. But the reason mm. that people don't know that is because most media outlets won't talk about it. They will not platform us, which is partly why I'm grateful that, that we're talking this morning. I really appreciate it. But I just want listeners to know that most media outlets want everyone to think that this is a Republicans versus yeah. marginalized community phenomenon. It's not. It's, it's absolutely well, that's not. that's courageous of you. 
Yeah, there's no doubt that, that, that folks like you who are writing about it and vocal about it uh, on social media. And, of course, your book, The Abolition of Sex. And, you know, you, you're very activist in this in this uh, trying to right what is a terrible wrong, a terrible wrong for these children. And for those who then must cope with that, that are girls and women, that then because of the changing norms and rules and mores, it's just terrible. Uh, do you think are there enough? Are there people and this may be out of the scope a little bit of our of our talk, but do you speculate that there are independent, well, left of center voters who could have a one issue type of an approach when it comes to to maybe pulling the pulling the lever for the opposite, the opposition party candidate uh, in certain at least local and municipal elections because of this single issue or will or will other, you know, uh, again, stereotyping here, uh, progressive Democrat kind of issues. Will those uh, trump this issue or is that how strong the fervor is for this one? I cannot tell you the number of people who reach out to me and say, I am a Democrat and I will never vote Democrat again because of this issue. I have so many people that I could rattle off who have left the Democratic Party and registered as independents. Mm. Mm. I promise, I promise there are countless people on the political left who are Mm. so disgusted and so furious about what the Democratic Party is doing on this issue, among others. Uh, that yeah. they've just had it. I mean, I know people wow. personally in real life who have left the Democratic Party and become independents or they yeah. remain Democrats and say, I'm just, you know, they say, I regret my re- I regret my vote for Biden. Uh, I'm never voting Democrat again. I mean, I don't I, I do not have a direct line to party leadership, so I do not know what they're thinking. People ask me, what are Democrats thinking? Why do they think this is a winning strategy? And I don't have a good answer to that question. Wow. So that confirms my impression that uh, many uh, Democrat uh, decision makers, both uh, in the party and, of course, elected officials, which are are, there's a great intersection of those uh, Venn diagrams, uh, just like many in the Republican Party are uh, clueless as to what's going on in the, you know, Main Main Street. Right. I mean, they're just tone deaf. And so this is a this is a word of warning from one of their own. And uh, Kara Dansky, it's been great uh, for you to be with me. And thanks again for for your crusade against this absurd, absurd movement. And again, I will pledge to you to try to find an alternative. What do you suggest we use instead of the T word for these folks? What are we supposed to call them? Just males who dress up like females and who get their hormones changed? That's a long, uh, that's a long descriptive. <laughs> it is. A lot of people like to say things like men who claim to be women. I think that's fine. Uh, I just, yeah. if we're talking about men and boys, we can just say men and boys. Ah, well, okay. Thomas is a man. Like, you know, he is. There you go. I like it. Kara Dansky, author of The Abolition of Sex at karadansky.com. That's Kara with a K, karadansky.com. Thanks very, very much for you. And uh, have a great holiday season. Healthy New Year to you. Thanks for having me. You too. There she is. Well, that was interesting. <laughs> let's uh, let's throw out some numbers there. What would you think of that? That's, a, that's an avowed feminist. If you get on Kara's website, uh, advocating for the rights, privacy, and safety of women and girls, and... Um, you know, she's she's very strident in the pro in the feminist movement and a Democrat as well. Why? Yeah. Huh? And a, a Democrat as well. And a Democrat yeah. who's saying that I mean people are switching stripes all over this one issue. Three one four nine one two one oh one nine. Are we looking at a new uh, a new coalition of American voter that says enough? There are certain boundaries and certain rails and we're not gonna go beyond the boundaries or off the rails, and it's maybe an opportunity. You're listening to News Talk STL 1019-941. Give me a call, 314-912-1019. Be right back.
often forbids us to use drugs approved by other countries. The UK has become the first country in the world to approve Merck's coronavirus antiviral pill. Merck's drug hasn't tested as well as Paxlovid, but it's already approved in England. Why not America? The FDA says more input is needed. That's always helpful, but the FDA is just slow. The United Kingdom approved Molnupiravir back in the beginning of November, and the FDA didn't even meet on to decide whether to approve it or not until the end of November. And in the meantime, thousands of Americans died of COVID-19. Well, so there is a little bit from uh, John Stossel's interview with the uh, U.K., reporter that says, hey, you know, how come the UK, and this is true, this is not just uh, applying to COVID drugs, but um, to to all drugs, it seems as though the Europeans are much more nimble in their approval process of these drugs. Now, you may or may not know that Donald Trump uh, did did a great job in removing some of the restrictions from these rare drugs for rare diseases that are that are really early in the testing phase. You know, maybe they've been through phase one, phase two. They're not through all the clinical trials. But boy, you know, someone that's got a deadly disease or a rapidly debilitating disease and there are no other options would like to maybe give it a try before the the they've got enough entrance into the study because you have to have so many to get the power of the study to prove that it's really an effect of the drug and not random and on and on and on. Well, so Stossel asked the questions, you know, what, what about safety? Well, I guess if you have no other option and you are a, an adult, you know, being with agency to make decisions and to do risk-benefit analyses and to say, look, I have a fatal disease, I have a a rare genetic problem that is going to render me sightless in two years if I don't do something, and I want to take this drug, just theoretically. Why shouldn't you be able to do that? And sign a waiver or somehow absolve the company of of some, you know, there, there ought to be a way through contract, essentially, or agreement, to say, I want a chance at this drug. Well, Okay, it's more refined with the molnupiravir, which is the Merck drug, which appears to, in early studies, reduce the risk of severe disease, hospitalization, death by, what, 30%. And the other one from Pfizer, they're different categories, a protease inhibitor, it's called. It's uh, the, the, one of the HIV drugs is uh, a protease inhibitor, well, several of the HIV drugs, so it's in that class. A little more restrictive and maybe, uh, you know, some more interactions with other drugs and potentially a few more side effects. But 90% reduction in severe COVID? Wow. I'd want a chance at that drug if I had it because, I don't know, my wife always reminds me, you can't, you can only have half the cinnamon roll. I have eaten too many whole cinnamon rolls. So, you know, now, I'm overweight. I'm not obese. I'm overweight. I'm, I'm in, I'm just, I'm, I'm within those boundaries. BMI between 25 and 30. But if you're, uh, you know, so let's say that you were in a high-risk group and you got that. Wouldn't you like to have a chance at this drug? Well, the FDA has has drug its feet. Now, this is because bureaucrats and government now are so, in America, are so gun-shy that, and since the unknown countless number of lives that would be saved had they approved a drug like Plaxivid or Moldaparavir earlier is unknown, No one can accuse them of, well, look all of the lives that were lost. I mean, that's a theoretical number. But on the other hand, if they approve it, and once in a while it happens, even after their long, lengthy, long-winded and drawn-out process, they approve something, and oh, it turns out in post, 
marketing experience. Yeah, we did. We just didn't have enough numbers in the studies, and we see problems. Okay, they're worried of then getting a lashback. So we have to be respectful of what a rapid rep- approval process would mean. Probably expose us on occasion, despite everyone's good faith, best efforts. And I'd like to think that even bureaucrats do good faith. Best efforts. Boy, watch the phone calls coming in now. (laughs) (laughs) Bureaucrats, good faith efforts. Actually, I have to tell you, I I, I got a call the other day from uh, someone in state health regulation. I won't mention his name, but I've uh, uh, become acquaintance through meetings and speeches and so forth. We're struggling. Uh, The nursing home in our area is going to close for lack of staffing. And um, we, uh, you know, have a relationship with them in terms of sharing food service and so forth. And so it's going to affect the hospital. And I, I, I reached out and I got a call from the administrator of this agency. And I mean, so I don't want to denigrate all bureaucrats. I mean, I think when you deal with state officials, you tend to get a lot of really nice interactions. You get friendly, courteous advice as a rule. Boy, you move up to the federal level, though, and it is just, I'm sorry. These are the rules. This is what it is. You will march the way we tell you to march. And so I, I really, I, you know, I, I want to be careful in just generalizing about everything. But but you know what I mean? I, I think most most people, even in the bureaucracy federally, probably while they go through their day are not trying to harm the people that they regulate. They're just, you know, it's sort of like the old Jack Webb thing. Just the facts, ma'am. Well, in this case, it's just the rules, ma'am. Just the rules. I'm just enforcing the rules. It's the rule makers at the highest levels I have the problem with. Overarching, over-egregious, boots-on-your-neck rules. And then the poor, you know, point-of-contact person who's on the phone line to someone out in the hinterlands here says like i didn't make them i just got to enforce them i'm sorry (laughs) but boy that the fda would get these drugs to market so that folks who didn't get a vaccine or did get a vaccine and it's a less chance if you have the vaccine that you're going to end up in the hospital it's not zero but you you could currently the covid numbers we have in the hospital still are overwhelmingly unvaccinated folks okay whatever i'd like to have more tools in the chest other than monoclonal antibodies vaccinated or not, to give people who are at high risk for progressing to disease. I'd like to have these two drugs to be able to use. But this is just an example of where the bureaucracy gets a life of its own and becomes, unfortunately, counterproductive. It's just, it's, it's bad. So, again, one of the things I want to ask people who are running for office, candidates for Roy Blunt's office, I want to ask them, are you committed to reducing the regulatory apparatus, which has become a fourth branch of government unto itself. You write a law, dear government, or dear legislator, dear senator, you pass it. And then after that, it's 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 like the wild, wild west. The regulators can just run roughshod and expand the authority through their regulatory process. If you own a restaurant, if you work at a restaurant, if you're in education, if you're in healthcare, if you're in manufacturing, my God, OSHA will drive you crazy. Speaking of which, did you see where the appeals court has uh, has uh, overturned the injunction against the vaccine mandate? Really? Yep. Just yesterday, you know, there was a uh, the appeals court had said, "Hey, for those the the mandate which applied to um, employers, what greater than a hundred, because you know the virus doesn't affect the virus <laughs> will never affect News Talk STL because I don't think we have a hundred employees. We do not. 
No, so you're safe. Anyone working at and Newstalk STL, maybe you work at a tire shop, and you know you got what, the owner, the you know the bookkeeper, a few guys working on the cars. Don't worry, the virus is gonna. It's like Passover. <laughs> virus is just gonna pass over you. Don't worry about it. You're good. No, no blood on the door on the door frame. You know, don't worry about it. You're cool. Uh, anyway, it looks like that's going to go to the Supreme Court. I'm waiting for the health care mandate injunction to now be overturned by an appellate court. Wait, if that happens, we're going to have a problem. I know at, at our place, we had probably 25, 30 people who hadn't been vaccinated out of our 150 full and part timers. Mm-hmm. Uh, many of them got the first dose. Now, if it be, if it, but then the vaccine mandate went away. So some are going to get the second dose. Some aren't. Uh, about an equal to maybe two thirds number got um, did religious exemptions. It's not really a religious; it's a personal objection. All you have to do is say to meet the EEOC standard. I have a sincerely held personal belief that the vaccine is unacceptable. That's pretty much all you need to say. At least in most places. Now, some places have. What do you think of this, Max? And those of you out there who are listening, three one four nine one two one zero one nine. Did you know that in some places, I know healthcare facilities where there are committees, committees that judge your personally held, sincerely held personal belief. So a committee assembles and looks at your application and decides if you can have a waiver. Wow. Very interesting. I mean, I think that's, um, is Takimoto listening? I don't know. Uh, You know, Takimoto from the Spanish Inquisition. (laughs) That's what that reminds me of. It's like. Well, you're not religious enough. Well, yeah, we think you're probably religious enough. Oh, we saw you walking down the hall with that Bible or that, uh, you know, Torah in your hand or the Koran. Well, okay, you you get a check mark. I mean, I, how do you know what is someone's in heart? What's what's in someone's heart? They may or may not be in organized religion, but they may be spiritual, but they may be religious. But you may also know that there are people who are hypocritical when it comes to one particular objection they have to uh, the vaccine and that is the use in the either research or development of or the manufacture of uh, the, the the vaccine the use of those uh, now perpetual fetal cell lines which are commonly used in labs in biomedical research and they came from a kidney cell from an aborted fetus in 1970 or you know those are just commonplace. Those are as common to a lab doing biomedical research as the board is common to what Max is doing this morning to make sure we stay on the air and everything hits the mark when it should, right? Well, do you know that there are very common over-the-counter meds <laughs> that that had either in their research, in their design, research, development, were had something to do with those fetal cell lines, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Pepto-Bismol. So... I would ask you, if you object on the grounds uh, to the COVID vaccine on those grounds, find another ground or else don't use Pepto-Bismol. I believe Tylenol is one of those. I have the list here somewhere, but I'll, I'll go over it. Again, it's about consistency. It's about thoughtful either objection to or endorsement of a particular policy, a particular piece of legislation or rule. Uh, we have to be careful as thoughtful, considerate compassionate conservatives to make sure that we're we're correct in our facts and that we're not hypocritical so uh there there are those realities out there i'm going to step aside earlier because i want to ask uh, virginia cruda if um she has any friends who like to see male gynecologists instead of female because <laughs> i kara dansky hurt my feelings 
It was a uh, gigantic no from Kara. It was a gigantic, but there was a, did you notice the pause? There was a pause, too, because that was like a revelation to her. <laughs> there are women who don't, who prefer to have a male gynecologist. I mean, you know, I feel like the Maytag repairman sometime. Remember those old commercials? Mm-hmm. You know, allegedly Maytag was so... So reliable that the guy was just there in a, in a, under a lamppost, you know, on a street, just lonely at midnight. Sometimes that's the way male gynecologists feel. We'll ask Virginia such salient questions at what's going on in her world. And uh, if she had any problems getting back into the country on her trip from uh, from Belgium, because she was there to, with her son uh, over the last couple of weeks, I think. 1019-941, News Talk STL. Don't forget, we're also on the app on your iOS or Android, the Alexa skill. And uh, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter, too. Sign up for our newsletter. Got to do that. And uh, we'll be back and talk to Virginia Cruda right after these words. According to the records, multiple Fox News hosts knew the president needed to act immediately. They texted Mr. Meadows, and he has turned over those texts. Quote, Mark. The president needs to tell people in the Capitol to go home. This is hurting all of us. He is destroying his legacy, Laura Ingram wrote. Please get him on TV, destroying everything you have accomplished, Brian Kilmeade texted. Quote, can he make a statement, ask people to leave the Capitol, Sean Hannity urged. Welcome back uh, to the program. Uh, That is Liz Cheney, who uh, she must just have gone off the rails because she knows there's no way she's going to get reelected now that she's essentially joined the persecution of uh, Donald Trump and anyone connected to him. (laughs) Uh, And exposing text from uh, Fox News hosts, uh, uh, other GOP leaders. It's just crazy, and I, it makes me wonder if ordinary citizens now can't uh, be secure in the fact that when they text, there may be some privacy. I guess not. Virginia Cruda joins us at VA Cruda from the Daily Wire. How you doing, Virginia? I'm good this morning. I'm home. I've been home for a couple of days. Saturday, the last time we talked, I was out of the country. So, um, yeah. yeah, we've kind of killed the jet lag, and we're back to normal. <laughs> Were you, uh, were you, well, yeah, I wondered about that, so I'm glad. Yeah, Max is feeling like he's got jet, jet lag this morning. But you know, Max, being the, the stalwart. Booster, that's where it is. Yeah, he got his booster. But you know what? Max is tough. He's got a spine of steel. And even though he's sweating like a woman <laughs> off of her I postmenopausal am. hormones, uh, he's doing great uh, this morning. I was telling Virginia <laughs> off the air, this is our last hit with her for two weeks, and we're not going to be back until yeah. January 8th. I know we're yeah. gonna have a, we're gonna have a desert a, a dry desert of uh, of emptiness without Virginia for two weeks. I I don't know what we're gonna well, do, but you'll join us you in the know, new I, year, right? Uh, yes, and I I will be around. I I believe I'm co-hosting with Gabe Pfeiffer on um, Christmas Eve in the morning and on uh, New Year's Eve in the morning. Nice. So yeah, so uh, I'll be around. Wow. I just won't be on your show. <laughs> Oh man! Well, we'll, but I'll be listening to you, of course, and we'll. Uh, so we'll have the rocket scientist and the and the service member. Uh, boy, I tell you, any any uh, progressive Democrats better watch out because they don't stand a chance with the rocket scientist and the and the service member <laughs> on the air well, together. We've, we've joked a few. We've joked a few times because Gabe, you know, black conservative Christian rocket scientist. Um, all, he's not supposed to exist, and I here I am, the female conservative. I'm not supposed to exist. Yeah, and the first right. time we were on the radio together, it was just Tony Colombo and his imaginary friends. 
<laughs> hey, I have to ask you, did you happen to catch the interview with Kara Dansky? I mean, a, an avowed, strident feminist. I mean, if you look on her website, whoa. Let me yeah. listen to her. I think I can find it here. Her manifesto here. I was say, I didn't Globally. Catch it, but if you give me a clip, I'll, I'll run with it. Globally, for thousands of years, and in this country for hundreds of years now, women and girls have been discriminated against and excluded <laughs> from civil society. All aspects of it, specifically on the basis of sex, all of the all of the men making all of the laws for all of that time knew exactly what the word sex meant, and they deliberately kept us out because we are women and girls. And now, with the redefinition of sex to include gender identity, we are supposed to pretend that none of that exists. Women are standing up. We are not having it. Whoa! What do you think of that? You know, I I'm not really sure what she's getting at at the end, but I know. I, I, I guess I have to laugh whenever whenever anybody talks about how women have been discriminated against for so long. And it, it's it's really an interesting phenomenon that I've looked at as far as feminism goes, because if you look at you look at, you know, 100 years ago, yes, there were a lot of things that women couldn't do. Right. Mm-hmm. There were um, there were jobs that women couldn't have and there were. Uh, you know things that were frowned upon if a woman took did certain activities they you know certain sports you couldn't play certain uh, all of these things and all of that has kind of changed over time you know you see you see progress in um whereas you know in the 1920s maybe a woman couldn't get a job unless it was a secretary of some sort uh-huh. or right. or a nurse maybe or uh, and but then you look at over time that's changed and now we have you know, we have the United States military where women are allowed in combat, and I've I've got my own opinions about that too. But but obviously, progress has been made, right? We've we've moved. So I think it's interesting that these people want to focus on the years and years of oppression instead of saying, "Look at how far we've come. Look at how far how how many things have changed, and how easy it is for." Like my son is 19, my daughter is 17. My 17-year-old daughter will have more scholarships available to her than he than my son will. Yeah. She will have well, more advantages available to her than he will, and it's all because she's oppressed, except she's not. We're at the point where she's not oppressed. She's not being held back from doing anything. And in fact, she's being given more opportunities than he is simply because of her gender. And I think that we've gone a little bit too far in the wrong direction. As far as we're, uh, we're talking with Virginia Cruda and you know, but. I, I challenged her a little bit because, well, we had a nice talk because she was on, I think it was with Tucker. I saw her on with someone. So uh, Max was able to get her on. And, and I agree with her that, um, for maybe we have different agendas, but I have a problem with with transgender just on the basis of call it what it is. It's a boy dressing up and modifying right, right. with drugs what they are to be someone else. We used to call those transvestites or whatever cross dressers, you know. Um, but yeah. the impact it has on girls and women trying to to you know uh, compete in a fair environment, right? Um, right. And 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 that's what she's about. I think she she's afraid that the transgender she doesn't like using the word transgender. She says. Let's Let's call them boys, what they are, you know, and I agree yeah. with that. But I think it's because of its impact right. on an erosion of her activism on the on the feminist side. But I pointed out to her, I said, look, the, the, my one of my favorite psychologists, Jordan Peterson, likes to point out that 
Wow, women far outnumber men in terms of graduation from four-year college and in graduate enrollment and presence. I mean, women are just kicking men's butts in education. Is it because they're more talented, because they can be more organized, because they don't play video games as much? I'm joking there. I don't know what it is. But they are. I I don't see it. There are a couple things in play. There are a couple things in play there. One... You have um, more more scholarships available to women, as I as I said before, because there are scholarships you can get if you're a woman, but not if you're a man. Um, right. And so that's one thing. And there's also this massive expansion of college majors to include ridiculous things like intersectional feminism. And mm-hmm. like, what man is going to get a degree in that? Realistically, right. I, and, I and get the reality, it. When, once you leave college, what can you do with that? So I think that it's interesting that, well, oh, you know, more college degrees and more, co- but, but they're useless. What can you do with them? You know, and then well, you, beca- you can become an activist and you, you can become an <laughs> activist and lead the, the, you know, the, the, the feminist march in DC and, and, or be, become a new uh, activist and then buy four houses like the BLM leader. That's what, that's what they're useful for these days. There's a whole industry about, right. about uh, <laughs> oppression. A good job if you can get it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. And then, boy, I, you got to go listen to this either on the replay uh, tomorrow night between nine and twelve, yeah. Virginia, or on, right. on podcast because it was fascinating. I told her I, I we got talking. I said, you know, I'm an OBGYN, and I said I I feel bad for the the women I take care of who have daughters who are going to have to now struggle and try to compete against boys. That have already had right. the muscular development, which doesn't totally go away. You may lose a little right. bit, but once those, mm-hmm. you know, those hormones have their effect on on the on the on the body composition, that doesn't go away just because you take the testosterone away. And I felt bad. Yeah. And she said, then she said, you know, in federally uh, uh, institutions that take money from Obamacare, which is any any hospital, pretty yeah. much all mm-hmm. hospitals, if if a, she said if a female if a woman requests a female. Uh, from the institution and the institution for their gynecologic exam and the female and the and the woman uh, requests a supposed transgender a boy who is now identifying as a girl a transgender woman mm-hmm. that they ha- the female has to accept that and that bothered her and then the pivotal moment virginia i said you know with all due respect do you know there are women out there who actually prefer having a male gynecologist i know they're they're in the minority but they are there i mean because i still see patients regularly a lot of them yeah and they're there and they've told me they would prefer that and there was a pause and she said no i didn't know that now talk about living in a bubble right i mean that's a problem there's a little blind spot there isn't there Oh, yeah. And, and like, no, I, I don't have a preference. I mean, this is just me personally. I, but I spent time in the military where I didn't have a choice. You know, I had um, I, I had a, you know, you, you saw whoever was available, right? That that was kind of how it worked. I mean, I, I was in one position where, you know, my when my daughter was born, the OBGYN who came in to deliver her, I met when he walked into the delivery room because we had, you know, people going overseas and coming back and you never knew who was going to be where. And so I kind of got used to it, but it it would never occur to me to ask for a male physician or a female physician because what I want is a competent physician. I don't care. You know, I see. You, you just said it, Virginia. That's the whole point. How can a so-called self-proclaiming feminist who wants equality 
argue that there's there's legitimacy to having a preference don't you i thought i thought that all of all of the distinctions now are blurred why would it matter well, i tell you i went through a serious yeah. illness in the 90s and my internist before and after was a female and you know guys get exams in in certain orifices that you know i didn't care if she was a female or not there's female urologists who were some of my right. best friends in training. I don't understand why the feminists want to discriminate against men in some cases, you know, and elevate and have opportunity above and beyond that for men. Doesn't that erode their credibility? Well, yeah, and it's it's the same thing. I think uh, Lisa Kennedy on, on Fox News, or Fox Business, was, was talking about this before. When, when Joe Biden announced that he was going to have a um, he, he was going to choose a female vice president. This was before he said, I'm going to choose a woman of color. You know, he said he was going to choose a female vice president. And she's like, isn't that depressing? You know, isn't that insulting that you have to go through life realizing that you were chosen as vice president, not because you were qualified to do anything, oh, yeah. but right. because you have certain body parts. Like yeah. how, how that insulting is that? That, yes. that that's yes. the only thing you have that's of, that's of value. Like yeah. it's I, just it's I a shame. It's a travesty. Yeah. Yeah. The the vote yeah. with your body parts when they're talking about you know vote for women's choice or whatever. No, vote with your yeah. brains, guys. Come on. Bingo. Hey, what's your what's your feeling before we have about a minute left here? What is your uh, what's your feeling about the uh, the texting thing and Cheney just feeling like she can just expose text sent from, you know, whoever to uh, to the Mark Meadows? I mean, it's it's troubling to me that these things are being exposed. You well, no, I, I agree. I think that it, it depends. Obviously, if they're they're. Um, I would I would feel differently about it, I think, if we were talking about an actual insurrection or something that where where there had been more of a I don't know an actual attempt to overthrow the government I don't mm-hmm. know I think I would feel differently if that were the case but the reality is this was a situation that got out of hand there were a couple of people who were instigating and I, I don't doubt that they were Trump supporters. I don't. I don't buy into this. Oh well, this is Antifa trying to um, trying to make everybody right. look bad. I don't think that that's the case at all. I think they were Trump supporters. I think that they were disillusioned by whatever echo chamber they were in at the time. And I, I think that if we had had a major situation where an actual attempt to overthrow the government was made. Um, there would be a, a different standard, I think, as far as what yep. could be collected as evidence. But I think that yep. right now, when we already know that Ad- Adam Schiff has lied about what was in the text and doctored them, um, okay, Liz Cheney is signing on with Adam Schiff, and I think that's a dangerous place to be as a Republican. There she is. Well, Virginia, we're going to continue to read you on The Daily Wire. Read all that Virginia's writing, and it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Merry Christmas. We'll see you on the other side of... Uh, 2021 okay next year thanks virginia all right happy new year guys same to you we'll be back top of the hour more coming up on the tobler show stay there